0: So I'm going to continue what we talked about last week. Uh, we're dealing with uh, judging spiritually. And today I want to move into another topic in relation to judging. And it's going to be about uh, how to reject false judgment, rejecting false judgment. And uh, that's important. I think sometimes we don't do that enough, is when we hear things that aren't right. Uh, and we don't just say, you know what, I'm not going to let you judge me on that particular thing in my life because the scripture says yeah. and give them a bible basis for that response but I want, to, I want to read first corinthians chapter four verses one to five to start here uh, we had just finished talking about how a spiritual person judges and um, this passage here is, is the apostle paul of course and he is giving his idea to these folks and his his perspective of their judgment of him because they are judging him. He was constantly under judgment as a, an apostle uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so basically, he was just saying, you know, your judgment doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, there's one that judges me. <laughs> Amen. And so First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 5 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what we are. We are managers, stewards of the mysteries of God. It goes on to say, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That is the one requirement that every one of us will meet the Lord with. And I know this preacher rings that bell over and over, but folks, if you will give yourself to what I say in relation to this, I think you're gonna be a whole lot happier when you see Jesus, because that is the one thing he says I require of you. And that's your faithfulness, amen? And I think the devil would like me to stop talking about faithfulness, but I just can't do it, <laughs> amen? I gotta keep doing it for my life, for my family's sake, and for our church's sake as well, amen? So it goes on to say, but with, with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my, uh, my own self, for I know nothing by myself, Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make them manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just do a good work in our hearts tonight, that you would just uh, whatever it is that Lord needs to be adjusted uh, helped in us, I pray you 'd do that help and, and and do that work, and Lord, we are so grateful, Lord for today and Lord for this morning and all the wonderful people that were in the morning service and what you did there. I pray that that fruit Lord would still uh, would still grow from the the word of God there. I pray we wouldn 't forget what we, what we 've learned today, and Lord tonight as well, I just pray Lord that we just be planting. In, in soft hearts today, that, Lord, we'd be Christians that would bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So basically, God's people must reject false judgment. Uh, when we are t- talking about the book of Romans here, you know, who art thou that judges another? Th- th- it is inexcusable, he says. See, what happens sometimes, we get self-righteous what some people call a moralist. A moralist is someone that he'll put on the external trappings or the external appearance of religion and piety, but yet inside there's really no change. But it's all external. And so when they judge you, it's always external because they don't, they don't understand the deeper things. That's why Jesus, when it came to the Pharisees, he said, he said to them, you know, these things that you're doing like tithing, and all these things, these are good things to do. But it says you're omitting the weightier things of the law. And he's talking about mercy and judgment and the things that are in the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens sometimes when you get all, uh, all enamored with just how you look to people, you forget that the Lord is looking inside. And he's not fooled by our outside. He's not fooled by the way we pretend to be. Amen. And so, I find that most people that are, are moralist or self-righteous, what, what they will do is they'll judge others based upon their own standard. And so, what they'll do is judge you on the outside. They'll give very little emphasis to what's inside, but they'll, it'll only be what you do. And they'll, they'll climb your case about that. And usually, the judgment that they'll, they'll actually uh, uh, bring, bring up is false, because they're trying to make themselves look spiritual. Amen. And I'm going to look at a couple of those things today, on on the different things that we must reject when it comes to false judgment. Now, the first one is this, and I, I and I this is a strong or a very important topic to me. You got to you got to reject judgment on Christ's inadequacy to save souls. Yeah. See, whenever someone starts talking about you having to do something to go to heaven, or whether you can lose your salvation, they're not judging you. I'll tell you why. It should be a small thing that they judge you that way because you never deserved it in the first place. You didn't do anything to to acquire salvation. So if they say to you, well, you're not good enough for heaven, you can just say amen. You're absolutely right. But the attack is not on you. The attack is on Jesus Christ. And I mentioned it this morning, it just happens to be in my passage tonight and I want to read this in Hebrews chapter six, uh, verse four to six. It goes on to say, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. What that talks about is this, that it's if it were possible for you to lose your salvation, you've had the spirit of God in you, you've tasted of the heavenly gift, you've, felt, you, you, you've, uh, you've had contact with the powers of God because of what he's done in your heart. If you could lose your salvation, that tells you you could never again be renewed unto repentance that means you could not be saved again. And I'm going to tell you something. If you could lose your salvation, then all of us here have already lost it. And we're going to church for nothing. (laughs) Do you understand that? Anybody that thinks you can lose your salvation and does not think that you've already lost it is someone that thinks way too highly of themselves. Way too highly. It says they crucify. Then it says, uh, "If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame." Mm-hmm. That means this: If you could lose your salvation, that meant that what Jesus did two thousand years ago was insufficient. He was inadequate and the fact that you lost your salvation and now you need to be saved again, all it says is, Jesus, you really messed up. And he says, to your own self, you have to crucify him again and bring him to an open shame. Judgment. You don't let people judge Jesus that way. No, sir. When they come to you and they start talking, you could lose your salvation, you just hold on there, boy. Yep. This isn't about me. You could say what you want about me, but I'm going to tell you about my Lord. I'm going to tell you what He's done for me. He has done nothing but give and give and give, and He's taken me from the pit of hell, and He's given me a purpose, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to let you stand there and judge Jesus Christ and bring Him to open shame. His salvation is once and forever. He died once, the Bible says. He's not coming back again to do it again. Right. One time for all. Amen. amen? And if you could lose your salvation, I'm sorry, you will never be saved. And I'm convinced that if you could lose it, everybody here has already lost it. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Unless you're too stinking proud to admit that you're a sinner down to your core. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen? Your thoughts alone would condemn you. Never mind your action and words in the last year. You add those things up. You write them down in a book. And anybody that would be counting on your works to save you would say, I'm sorry, man, but you sincerely do not qualify. If it's not all him, then I'm sorry, it's all you. And if it's all you, you're done. You're done. Because you're not worthy. (laughs) Amen? You understand that? We need to start rejecting that judgment. When you hear people talking like that, you say, I'm going to tell you just to stop talking right now. Because you're dealing with someone that's very close to my heart. In fact, he's in my heart. And I'm not going to let you judge him anymore. Because he is adequate. Now, they'll get offended. That's okay. they got to get mad sometimes before they get right. Amen? That's one thing that we need to reject. Salvation is based on Christ's imputed righteousness, not anything that you can produce on earth. What a great truth that is. If if Romans hasn't taught us that, then I don't know what we've been reading, amen? (laughs) It's an inflated, prideful view of self when you think that somehow you're going to sit there and you're going to be saved, though you could lose it. I'm going to tell you something. If I could lose my salvation, I would have lost it in the first minute after I got saved. (laughs) and I've never been saved again. And that's not what the Lord does. The Bible says what the Lord doeth, he doeth it forever. When he sets himself to save souls, he says, I'm not saving you for a minute, for a month, or a year. I'm saving you for eternity, amen? That's what God does. That's the character of his gifts to mankind. So that's the first thing. we got to be careful of false judgment. The second thing, judgment on your diet in relation to Old Testament law. Can I just encourage you here? There's enough people out there talking stupid about diets in the Old Testament. Now, if you don't want to eat pork, don't eat pork. You don't want to eat this, that, or the other. You just don't eat it. But don't you dare use the word of God to back up your position that somehow it makes you right to not eat it. Because you yourself are attacking scripture. And I'm going to show you that today. Colossians 2.60, by the way, the law, which all that stuff is contained in, does not justify you in any way whatsoever. Uh So you could pretend like you're keeping every jot and tittle of it. And you know what? You're going to walk through the end of that and find yourself unjustified. So if you're trying to justify yourself with a law, you're going to fail. Amen. Well, let's let God justify us. For it is God which justifieth, Amen. And so yeah. that's what we need to look at in relation to this topic. So, Colossians two sixteen. This is what it says: Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. Yeah. No man. Hey, if you want to take a day at Christmas time. To celebrate the birth of Christ, yep. have at it. Yeah, amen. If you don't want to take a day at Christmas time and celebrate the birth of Christ, whatever. Yep. You want to have an Easter holiday and you want to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, have at it. Yes. Amen. You don't need to have an every year holiday for Easter, but you know what? Christians have done that, they've always done that. Guess what? The first thing we do when we start planning a church, was the first thing? Oh, let's get ready for our first anniversary celebration. Every year we celebrate things. You celebrate your birthday, you celebrate the anniversary of the church. Don't you think that the people of God, when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, wouldn't think, hey, let's celebrate the the resurrection of Christ every year on the day that he resurrected? My goodness, man, if that's out out of your thought process then never celebrate a birthday ever again. Amen? I guarantee you that's how the Christians thought because that's how you think. Uh Oh, no, we can't. Why not? In fact, they were far more accurate in determining when the resurrection Sunday was than when Christmas is because I don't think Christmas is anywhere close. Amen? It is just a day you choose to celebrate the birth of Christ. Well, I'll tell you, Easter? And yes, I said Easter. Because I believe that's the right word. And I'm sorry if that offends you. But Easter came from the German word Ostern, which means dawn, because the Christians would wake up at dawn every year to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry if that messes up your doctrine with Andrew Hislop's Two Babylon book. Because that's where you got your doctrine from. A book that a man wrote. Not from the Word of God. Uh In the Word of God, Easter is translated Pascha. 28 times in the Bible, Pascha is the Passover, except for one time in Acts chapter 12, verse number 4, because that was referring to the Christian time where they would celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Herod said, I'm going to wait until after Easter to kill Peter. Why? Why would he do that? because he's shaking in his boots that somehow somebody's going to make it look like peter rose from the grave so why kill him a week before or two days before let's wait till after that's just logical you understand what i'm saying here Uh they're trying to tell you the word easter comes from the word astarte from the goddess of fertility the etymology has nothing to do with the word. It's imagination. It's what some person thought because they were writing a book against a Catholic church. The celebration of Easter wasn't a Catholic celebration. Yeah, I mean. It was a determined holiday. Every year that Christians would celebrate the resurrection because it wasn't made up. It was real. Yes, sir. It was real. Easter. And i forgive me. You know, in the past, they said, well, I'm not going to use Easter because people get offended. I'm stinking tired of that. Yep. I'm calling it Easter. Yeah. From this day forward, it's going to be Easter. Next year, we're going to celebrate Easter because Easter means dawn. And it's talking about the dawn that Jesus Christ rose up from the grave. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Why? Why else would God translate the word Pascha relation to the, the killing of a lamb with the word Easter if the word Easter is referring to some false god. Yeah. Duh. Especially when he knew what that word meant back in the Old Testament, which is Astaroth. Amen? We've been duped <laughs> because we're too scared to take on these people that are judging us yeah. over the holy days. We're going to celebrate the resurrection every year. Not because we have to. Man, I just want to. Yeah. Yeah, amen. That morning, I want to get up and say, hey, this is a special day. Yes, sir. <laughs> because, you know, three, three days and nights ago, Jesus Christ went to the grave for us. And on a morning, just like this, he broke free from that grave. And he did that to give us liberty before God. Amen. That's why we do it. Amen. I don't care about the eggs and the bunnies and the <laughs> so forth. <laughs> Folks, that's not what this is about. Just like Santa Claus has nothing to do with Christmas. But don't let people judge you that way. They come up to you and make you feel all bad, that you're some bad Christian because you've been celebrating Easter. When the Bible itself refers to Easter, translated from Pascha, why would God translate Pascha, a word that is associated with a Passover, with some pagan goddess? Have an answer? It's Because it's not. Mm -hmm. It's a word that the King James translators knew was referring to the resurrection Sunday. The resurrection of Christ. You get that? (laughs) That's all I got to say about it. (laughs) Let no man judge you in meat or in drink in respect of any holy... I tell you, don't hold me responsible for anything I say tonight. Actually do. Keep me responsible. 1 Timothy 4. Another passage. It says in verse number one, Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now that's true. Yeah. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Goes on to say, forbidding to marry. You ever found a religion that does that? And commanding to abstain from meats. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Yeah, For every creature of God is good. Yeah. And nothing to be refused. How much is nothing? Is that something? Is that anything? Is that pork? Oh, except pork? No, it says nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Eat your bacon. Yeah, man. <laughs> nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Amen. Now here's the crux of the matter, this next verse. Amen. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know what that means, right? When somebody comes to you in the... <laughs> that means you're having lunch. <laughs> Have some bacon after service. <laughs> Holy bacon. <laughs> you know what that means is this. That means... That whenever somebody comes to you in the name of the scripture saying, Oh, the Old Testament says don't eat this, (laughs) and they are saying that is truth and it's sin to do opposite of that, what do they do with this passage? I am sorry. Mm -hmm. I can eat anything I want. I can eat a pig, I can eat a snake. I can eat a crocodile, I can eat a frog, I can eat a cow, amen? amen. I don't want to eat a frog or a snake, but I could yeah. if I received it with thanksgiving. Amen. Yes, sir. For by God's very word, it's been sanctified by God's very word. Don't let them judge you. Yes. Yes, amen. Because again, it's not an attack on you. It's an attack on God. See, there's many things in the New Testament that the Lord changed. You can't go back to the old and say, well, because it was there, it's, when he says it changed, it changed. So what that means is, everything that has to do with dietary laws in the Old Testament has now been changed by the word of God. He has now sanctified it by the word of God. Let no man judge you. You don't have to eat it. Don't eat pork if you don't want it. If you think it's, uh, it's not good for you, don't eat it. But you cannot, upon the authority of the word of God, judge another man for the meat that he puts into his mouth. Mm-hmm. And you hear that, what you need to do is say, stop right there. Yeah. Because you're not judging me, you're judging God. Yeah, I mean. And we need to shut these people up. Because yeah, yeah. It's filthy. Notice what it's now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I'm telling you, they're getting people with diets. People are so vain today, it's all about your diet. They know if I can get people into my religion through the diet, and they do it, it works, and they deceive them they're being seduced. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Amen. Now, I don't know, does that sound pretty clear to you? I mean, have I not tonight giving you the word of God? Does it not just sanctify these things and say, you know what? They can't judge me anymore. So if you've ever felt bad about somebody coming to you, oh, the diet, you can just say, please be quiet because you're wrong and you need to repent. Oh, that'll put a self righteous person into pfft, overload. Amen. Bzzzt. How dare you think that I'm not perfect? <laughs> you just proved it. You just proved it. And there has been a resurgence. Seventh day Adventists have broken off in several different groups using diet, using these health techniques. The New Age movement is big on it. You know, don't fall for that stuff. Let's judge righteous judgment not according to appearance. That's why you have to go to the whole scripture and you have to judge according to the word of God. You know, it used to be that the Gentiles were unclean. It was against the law for them even to go into the, the, the house of a Gentile person. Until God, one day when Peter was on the housetop, gave him a vision and lifted up that sheet or let down that sheet from heaven with all those unclean animals. I wonder what was on there. Lizards, snakes, frogs, reptiles. Those things that you find repulsive, maybe David doesn't, but most of us do. And, he, and he would, <laughs> what Peter would say, Peter would say, hey, I can't eat that. Those are unclean. And this is what God said. Yeah. Don't you call unclean what I call clean. Yeah. Yeah, man. Don't you judge me, Peter. Yeah. Amen. And he got that lesson. It was hard because it was implanted. It was really implanted in his brain, but also that knock on the door by those servants of Cornelius. Could you come speak to our master, that Italian centurion, that Italian general or whatever he was in the army? And they went down there, and before he walked in, he just, whew. It was hard for them to cross cross that threshold. He had to tell them, I want to tell you something, Cornelius. It's not lawful for me to do this, but God showed me that what he calls clean, I should not call unclean. Yeah, amen. And he crossed over in, and he gave them the gospel and the Holy Spirit of God came down upon them just like the Jews of the day of Pentecost. Yeah. And that's really what the tongues were for, by the way. They spake with tongues. It was a sign to the Jews, to the unbelieving Jews, that the Gentiles also are a part of the economy that God is creating within the church. Yeah, that was the reason for tongues in the Bible. Amen. Not what's going on today. Oh my goodness. Amen. So we we have we now have Scripture that sanctifies the food. And we have prayer with thanks. That's why we pray before we eat. I really believe that if there was something in your food that could do you harm, that if you pray God's blessing on it, God may sometimes keep that from hurting you. Yeah. I wonder how many times when you prayed before you ate, that there was a bacteria or something that would have made you very sick, but the Lord said, I've sanctified that food. And you know, because you prayed with thanksgiving, I'm gonna protect it. Yeah. I don't doubt for a second that God does that. We have heard of different situations of people in prison camps and so forth that were Christians and they would give their food to people that didn't have food and they'd say, Lord, they're trusting you here. and They left that prison camp healthier than anybody else because we've got a real God. It's not our diet that makes us healthy. It's God that makes us healthy. Amen. Thank him. Judgment concerning the requirement of Sabbath days or holy days. This one I just don't. I just can't get today, but I hear it all the time. Oh yeah, we got to honor the Sabbath. We got to honor, the... folks. That's not true. That's not true. I get the meaning of the Sabbath. It's important to 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 give that token of of who Christ is to us, and that He is the one that completes the work for us, and we go we go free we go freely into the presence of God because all the work has been done. Amen. Yeah. He wanted us to realize that. You don't have to do a thing for your salvation. And if you try, you'll die. The law will kill you. That one man picked up a stick on the Sabbath day. Moses said to God, what should we do? This is new to me. We haven't done this yet. God says, kill him. That's a law. You understand? That's why the Sabbath was given, to show you the difference between how Christ can do it all or if you try to do it. You try to do it, you die. Christ does it all, you live. Amen. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's him. Amen. And it says, and ye are complete in him. You're complete in him. You're not complete in the Sabbath. You're not complete in the diet. You're not complete in all these things. You are complete in Christ alone. Amen? Yes. It goes on to say, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you, have, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It's talking about your heart sins. Amen? Yeah, He's taken them away. It says, buried with him in baptism. Is that talking about water baptism? No, it's talking about how that you were placed into Christ at the cross. You were placed into him and the death that was on Jesus Christ now counts for you. For the wages of sin is death. That's what you owe. Yet I'm buried with him, buried with baptism into Christ. That means that, guess what? I owe no more debt. It's been paid in Christ. I was in him when he died 2,000 years ago. And that's why we symbolize that with believers' baptism. We're showing everybody, guess what? I'm going to show you that I was placed into Jesus at his death. Amen? That's true faith. True faith. I was talking to someone yesterday. He said he knows a preacher, that he doesn't treat people like they're saved until they get baptized. Oh, is that work salvation? No, that's all we have to go on. God knows whether you're saved or not. You're not willing to identify with Christ and believers' baptism? What's wrong with your Christianity, man? What has he done for you? Why are you scared to tell everybody how great he is, that you've been placed into him? What are you ashamed about? We should be lining up at the baptism pool when we get saved, amen, just to show people, look at what Jesus has done for me. I can hardly wait to show you that I died with Christ and that I'm risen with him. Oh, that's my whole life, it's everything. My hid, my life is hid with God in Christ, Amen. I believe we got to make it's got to be more important to us. And I understand today there's a thousand different baptisms. I remember one person we baptized this person that was their fourth baptism. But this one thing I told him, I says after this one you don't have to do it again, because <laughs> this one's got the right message. Yes, amen. This one is associated with the right Christ, Amen important because it's picturing what happened to you when you got saved wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of god who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Amen. Folks, Those things were fulfilled in Christ. The handwriting of ordinances that were against us was fulfilled. It was nailed to the cross. Jesus Christ fulfilled everything. He is a fulfillment of the whole Old Testament in what he did for us dying on that cross. Stop looking at the shadow. Stop looking at at the shadow that it cast backwards and start looking at the substance of Christ standing before you. Let him be everything. Be complete in him. And that's why I'm afraid these people that come along and they start saying, take this Sabbath day or eat this diet and somehow you're starting to change your idea about the importance of Christ in your life. It's no longer just about Jesus. It's about, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. When all those things have been nailed to the cross and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, all of them, It says, which are shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You know what that's saying there? That's saying that all the holy days, all the new moon uh, recognition and the the Sabbath days and the meat that they would eat and the drink that they would drink, they were all shadows. But the body is Christ. The body is Christ. So whenever I let somebody take my attention away, back to the drinks and to the meats and to the days and to all these things, I'm taking my eyes off of the body. Yeah. I'm going back to the shadow. And that was some of the, the things that Paul was afraid of with the Galatian believers, how he said, you know, um, that he didn't want them to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Because yeah. they've been made free at liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a lot of things that God had to do in the Old Testament to teach us about what, who Jesus Christ was and what he was going to do. We wouldn't have been prepared for the coming Messiah if we wouldn't have the Old Testament law. We wouldn't have been prepared for what Jesus Christ did if we didn't have the teaching of the tabernacle. All these things and all these sacrifices throughout the whole Old Testament were just pointing forward and saying, let me teach you. And they were things that God would use to teach the children of Israel. And they would believe what God said. It would be accounted to them for righteousness. But it all pointed towards the body. Never did he want them to get hung up on the shadow. It was just a teaching tool to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what the law was. Something to bring them to Christ. Be careful of people like that. They're all around us. And they make a big deal about the diets and the Sabbaths. And you got to say, stop judging me on those things. Because they were nailed to the cross. Yeah, amen. They were nailed to the cross. Amen. Oh, don't we have liberty in Christ today? Yeah. Isn't that a blessing to know that you don't have to follow? All the and by the way, the Sabbath day wasn't just a Saturday. On Wednesday, when Jesus Christ died, and then they took him off the cross before the nightfall, that became the Jewish Thursday, which was a high Sabbath. And the reason why they had to take him off the cross that day is because they could have nobody being executed on a high Sabbath day. That's why it was strange that he would be dead before they got to him. They were going to break his leg so he'd die sooner. But by the time that high Sabbath hit, he had already given his life for us. And they took him off the cross and put him into the grave. And that was a high Sabbath on a Thursday. So you want to talk about uh, keeping Sabbath days. It's not just a Saturday. You're going to have to keep all those holy days. You can't just keep one and say, I'm going to keep this one and not that one. No. If you don't keep all of the law, then you're guilty of it all. Amen? Amen? Or you can just count that it's been nailed to the cross. And now it's your liberty not to follow all these Old Testament things and you can go forward enjoying your freedom in Christ, doing the things that Jesus wants you to do. Amen? What a wonderful life we have. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, And not holding the head, from which all the body by the joints and bands have nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. That means, why do you care about angels? Why do you want to enter into the spiritual realm without Christ? Why do you want to go there on a horoscope? Why do you need to talk to some some silly psychic? Why do you need to go and intrude into those things that you have not seen and give yourself ground to Satan? He says, hold the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my only safe way into the heavenlies. That's my only safe way into the spiritual realm. I can get there no other safe way. Any other direction I go leads me to satanic influence in my life. That's why if you've been using Ouija boards, that's why if you've been doing uh, tarot cards and, and any of those things that intrude into those, that spiritual realm, you're communicating with angels. But not we're not talking good angels. We're not talking about Gabriel. We're talking about satanic presences that are working in your life and you've given ground. And if you have not renounced that, he still got you. Yeah. Amen. Oh, like he's going to let you go because he's a nice guy. He's ever got his hook into you, he will never let you go unless you go to the one that has more power than he does. The Lord rebuke thee. Lord, take back the ground that I've given to Satan in this sinful act of intruding into the spiritual realm without the head, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me amen <laughs> that's very practical by the way <laughs> amen anyways christ is a substance of the old testament shadows but some would rather chase shadows than the substance self-righteous people moralists people that want to put on a show like phariseeism because it's hard to prove how spiritual you are without it unless you have something shining on the inside Unless your spirit is right with God. Talks about the holy women, right? The Bible says, which is of great price, that meek and quiet spirit. God says, oh, what's valuable to me is that meek and quiet spirit. You mean not that dietary law and not that I keep the Sabbath? No, no. What's valuable to me is what's in your heart after Christ did a work in you. You take that all away when you start focusing on the diets amen you are complete in him in him you get that amen what a powerful truth that is do you understand how dangerous it is for people to judge you in relation to these things that's why he's given a big portion of scripture dealing with it but yet we treat it like oh well that's your thing this is my no you stop them right in their track and say that's wrong that is wrong. You cannot judge that. You're judging an error. And it's not only wrong, it's satanic. Yeah. We've noticed right at the beginning of that passage, it says, beware, lest any man spoil you. The other passage was, oh, that in latter days, some shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It's a serious thing when people start talking like that. Yeah. So you reject it. You don't give it a moment of your time. You don't say to each his own. You don't say, well, that goes for you, not for me. You say, you're wrong. That is error. That is not scripture. And you show them the word of God. Amen. Because until they get straight with the word of God, they themselves will not experience the liberty that they should have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's also judgment concerning preferences. In Romans chapter 14, this is a difficult one because I've seen so many people who have preferences, yet they treat them like doctrine. Yeah. My goodness, man, it's hard to keep up with people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, man, are you going to write me the Bible so that I can follow you? Or can I just follow what the Bible says? Yeah. You know, Or do I need you to interpret everything so I know exactly what to do? Some people just know, they think they got everything figured out. Amen. Romans 14, verse 1. It says this, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Well, because that's what it was in the garden. They only eat herbs in the garden, so that's what we ought to eat. If we want to be spiritual, we better eat the herbs in the garden. You ever heard that one before? I've heard it. It wasn't right. Sin came into the world, they started eating meat. Sin is (laughs) meat is sin. (laughs) Wow. Let not him that eat despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. Amen. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and of the living. What we're talking about here in this passage is what's happening in churches. You know, you got people coming in, they say all kinds of things. You know, so we, we've got to be able to put up with some of this stuff. But I'm going to tell you, most of the foolish things that people talk about are coming from the, the avenue of weak faith. And that's why it says, those that are weak in faith, receive them. Just because they're weak is no grounds for you to reject them out of the church. There's only one reason to reject somebody from the church if they're causing problems and causing division. That's when we reject people out of the church, Amen. And so the tendency is for us to reject everybody that is a little different than us in preferences. (laughs) Well, this is the way we do it here. If you don't do it this way, you're not right with God. No, that that doesn't mean they're not right with God. It just may mean that you're not right with God because you're judging them falsely. So we got to be careful how we look at things. Now, there are things that are laid out clearly in Scripture. We can say, hey, we don't allow that here because that's against the Word of God. But there are some things people do. It really doesn't matter. Remember? Well, I remember back in, when I was working for my dad, we'd always have guys in, in the Mennonite world, you want to talk about holidays, holy days. What they would do, whenever there was a special day, whether, no matter what it was, they wouldn't just take one day off, they'd take three days off. Because one's for the Father, one is for the Son, and one is for the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's what you want, do it as unto the Lord, it really doesn't matter. But this is my problem. When people go and apply for a job, you need to tell that to your employer before you actually get hired. Yeah, amen. You need to tell them, this is what happens every time I have a holy day. Yep. So that when you first drop that on him after he hired you after a month or two and you're ready to take three days off, your your boss isn't freaking out what's wrong with you and you will be dishonest. There's nothing wrong with you taking a holy day if that's what you want if you're not relating it to salvation or being right with God. If you want to do something for the Lord and have a day and say, I'm giving this day to the Lord, But if you're going to judge somebody else for not taking that day for the Lord, now you're not right with God. You understand that? Now, you don't have to take a day for the Lord or whatever. I was wondering, you know, when I first started pastoring, I thought, wouldn't it be great, Lord, if it says, thou shalt go to church on Sundays or you're not right with God. I was looking for a verse like that. I couldn't find it. And I began to ask myself, now, why couldn't I find that verse? Now, we know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And we knew that Christians that were right with God would always meet on Sundays. But there was no law that told me that we had to work on or go to church on Sundays. And people that don't want to go to church on Sundays are very quick to point that out. You get that. Why? Somebody have an answer? A very simple answer. Kyle, flexibility, flexibility? <laughs> amen. I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord doesn't want you to come to church because you have to. Yep. Amen. If you would make a law, then you'd have to. And we wouldn't know why you're here. Because you had to, because of the law, or because you want to. You want to know what makes the Church of God powerful? It's a bunch of people that don't have to but want to. Yes. Yes. And if you ever enter the, ever into that enter into that have to category, you're a pathetic Christian. The Bible says that if we love Him, we'll obey Him, and His commandments will not be grievous. They'll not be grievous. I don't know about you, I just don't have any thought in my mind on Sunday morning that somehow I'd rather stay home. I want to be here. With every ounce of my being. Oh, I'll tell you, you can't even measure the amount that I want to be here. There is nothing outside of me being hit by a car and leaving me half dead in the street that's going to keep me from coming to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. This is the house of God. That's my want to. I don't know where your want to is. Maybe you've got some want to, but there's some have to there. Well, I want to go to church on Sunday morning, but you kind of have to go Sunday night. You got to get to the point where it's all want to. Oh, I'll tell you, that's a good Christian. (laughs) That's a Christian that's just willing to do whatever God wants because I just want to do what you want me to do, Lord. I want to do the right thing, amen? Amen. Boy, that's a good Christian. I believe it. I believe that's why he never gave me that command, thou shalt go to church on Sundays. If he would just give me permission just to change the book just a little, in my early ministry, I would have just gone with a pen and said, thou shalt go to church on Sunday. then I'd added the verse number and say, see, it's in my Bible. <laughs> but you know what? The Lord taught me pretty quickly what it meant. See, in the Old Testament, it was have to. In the New Testament, it's one, two. Amen? That's a difference. So you got somebody coming up to you talking about, oh, you have to, have to, have to. Do you really want to be in that category? Well, I have learned that this is what you have to do. You got to eat this and don't eat that. Well, I don't know what to eat. Well, call me next time and I'll tell you. I'll do a search in the Hebrew language we can even find out what kind of meat you ought, ought to eat and not. Amen? Have to, have to. Let's be want-to Christians. That took a lot of pressure off me. I thought, Lord, i got to somehow make these people go to church. And he says, no, you don't. And this is where this idea came to my head. That if what Jesus has done for you will not motivate you to want to, There's nothing I can do to make you want to. Except tell you what Jesus did for you. (laughs) That's what I do every week, tell you what Jesus did. And because of that, you say, Oh, I should want to. Right? He took his cross for me. I should want to take my cross. Oh, do I have to take my cross? I would like to just flow through life and not have to suffer for Jesus. Do you understand that? That is so important. But you know what, somebody that's judging you and all these different things, they don't understand that. Weakened faith, Weaken faith. That's why the Bible says that whatever you can do with faith, do it. Whatever you do with, clear, with a clear conscience according to the word of God, you've got no problem, you can do it. But if that thing that you're doing is stumbling someone that is weak in the faith with a weak conscience, then you ought to stop doing it just for their sake because then it becomes sin. Because the sin is not doing it or not doing it. The sin is hurting people. The sin is hindering people. That's what our sin is today. Not whether you've eaten this meat, that meat, or took that day, or go that day. It's it's all about whether you're helping that person or hindering that person. And I try to tell people so often, please, when people come in here, take a good look at them and say, Lord, help me to help them. Please keep me from hindering them. Help me to be a blessing, not a cursing. Because Christians have been cursing there's people that have come in and been hurt by God's people you keep your stinking holy day you go eat your meat they got nothing to do with you you don't even understand you don't understand why we're here that's why we're here those that are weak in faith receive you but not to doubtful disputations They may be off in all kinds of little weird ways. I've heard it all. I think. There's people that come to my church and I know that they are whack doctrinally. That's a word, doctrinal word, whack. (laughs) They're doctrinally whacked. And you know what you do? You just hope that God will speak to their heart. You say, Lord, just I pray they won't hurt anybody. And you keep your eyes open. That's your job too. It's your job to look around. Make sure nobody's hurting anybody. And if somebody's being hurt, you ought to stand up and say, hey, and go to that person that's been hurt and say, don't worry about it. Take them aside and, and, and encourage them and tell them, you know what, it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, what this is all about so you understand. Help them to grow. Don't start arguing with them about this, that, or the other. Doubtful disputations. Amen? We've got to help people that are weak. (laughs) And so what will happen sometimes is we'll get our idea about what we want and what we want people to be and say and so forth. Folks, I believe there's a way for a Christian to dress. I really do. I believe there's a best way for you to dress yourself. I believe there's a worse way to dress yourself. When people come through that door, that's the furthest thing from my mind. I've had people come in the door, some of my other ministries, as soon as they came in, all of a sudden, oh, let's zero in and tell them to cut their hair, button that button, boom, boom, boom. That's what that is. That's not right. Amen? Give them time. I mean, if they come in nude, that'd be a different thing. (laughs) We'll get a towel and cover them up. (laughs) But folks, but you know what? There's some churches out there, someone would come in and they'd have a short skirt. They would come up to them as they're sitting there and they would just put something over top of them. Guess how many times that person will come back to church? I understand that ain't right. We ought not be looking either. (laughs) But I'll tell you something. You got to have a little grace. At least give them one service. (laughs) Amen? Amen? We've had all kinds of things happen. <laughs> we don't jump on everything first time. you got to realize some people are just weak in the faith. And you got to give them time to grow. It doesn't mean I don't have an idea what I want to see. And the idea what I'm preaching for. And that's, that's scriptural. Amen? Because I don't think I can preach too high. Not when it comes to Jesus, <laughs> you know? See, we preach as high as Jesus is, but then we, then we also give as much mercy as Jesus has and grace to the ones to get there. Amen? Christians need to be given time to grow. Receive, that means take an addition, receive besides, to take to or with oneself and one's company. Bring them to yourself, spend time with them, talk to them, help them to grow, amen? Disciple them. Weak believers will not always understand liberty. There's all kinds of things you can do with liberty. But weak believers don't understand that. They've come from different backgrounds that, 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 you know, or different teachings and so forth. And if they would see the liberty that you have, somebody, oh, you can't do that. Man, they would put you in a tight little box. But you know what you do? You don't make a big deal about that. You don't start disputing all those things with them. You just give them patience. Amen? Especially when it's preferences. Something the Lord may allow you to do, and whatever you're doing has no bearing on your being right with God or so forth. But you know, if that person over there feels that for some reason where they've come from, that is hindering them from going forward, you ought to just stop doing that just for their sake. Because that's where the sin is. Amen? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We must not allow disputes to form over these issues from both sides. The weak must not condemn the strong and call them unspiritual. The strong must not despise the weak and call them immature. Treat them with scorn. Amen? Romans 14.3 Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let him not which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. 1 Corinthians 8 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. And the strong in faith should trust the Lord's ability to build the weak believer. Can I tell you that that's an important point? You see, we have to understand that we are not at the helm of that person's life. If Christ is in them, he's already got them on a journey. Your job is not to create the journey. Your job is to help them on that journey. Amen? So guess what? The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Do we believe that with people? That's why we have patience. And I've learned that as a pastor, like I said, the first, thou shalt. But then the Lord began to teach me, no, he says, this is about what I'm doing in their life, not you. I'm just a preacher. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. (laughs) But he's the one that's inside of you. He's the one that's bringing you to that point that he wants you to be at. Amen? Every Christian will give account at the judgment seat of Christ for his own choices. And guess what? He's not going to even think about whether you kept a holy day. But you know what he's going to say? Why did you treat that weak believer the way you did? That's what's going to cost you. Why did you use your liberty as as an occasion for a stumbling block? You felt you could do it, but you knew it was hurting them. But in your pride, you, you, you lifted up your liberty and said, oh, I'm at liberty, I'm at liberty. Not realizing that your liberty was given so that by love, you can serve one another. So that you could be free from the Old Testament bondage. And now you can be free simply to serve that person and to help them become exactly what God wants them to be. That's why you have liberty. Not so you can just enjoy yourself. Even though we do enjoy our liberty in Christ. Amen? I'm glad. I'm glad on Sabbath day, I have to be careful not picking up a stick. Wouldn't that be a terrible life? That's what happened, man. That's the law. Every time these people try to bring you back, they're saying, do this. Then I'm gonna say, okay, don't pick up a stick. Oh, no, we're not gonna take it that (laughs) seriously. no. If you're going to go back to the law, then you better get a gun and shoot everybody that picks up a stick. Well, that's just foolish. I know. Stop being foolish. We're at liberty. (laughs) Amen. You get that? The judgment seat of Christ. But why dost thou judge thy brother? For why dost thou set it not, thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. In other words, it's like this. It's not so important that you think those people are right with what you want them to be. What's important is, whether that person is right with the Lord. See, sometimes what we do is we make it more important that they're right according to what I want to see in them. And the Lord says, there's a judgment seat that's going to deal with all of that. And when it comes down to it, I will determine what was right and what was wrong. And you might just be surprised that much of what you're doing is wrong in relation to that weak believer. Amen? Don't let them judge you. (laughs) Don't let them judge you. Folks, use your liberty wisely. Use it wisely. We have freedom as God's people, but never the freedom to use our liberty to hurt somebody. And if you are hurting somebody with your liberty you will not fare well before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen.